All right, so we are finishing out this year, and Nate's walking by with a Bible. If you need a Bible, just wave at him, and he'll make sure that you get one. I do apologize for the temperature in here. There was a mistake overnight. We'll get that remedied. All right, so we are closing out this year in Luke. Giving you an opportunity from the week before Thanksgiving all the way through to New Year's to spend some time in Luke's account of Jesus. This holiday season is about Jesus. Hello? Are you awake? Lisa, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. Um, it's about Jesus. This holiday season is about Jesus and it's about the hope that we find in Jesus. We put our Christmas wreath on the front door, which is actually a Christian tradition, the symbol of hope and love without end. It's that hope that we have in Jesus. And we're asking ourselves through this series questions about Jesus, wanting to get to know Jesus a little bit better. That's why we're calling it Jesus Is. And fill in the blank. Jesus Is. What We're asking ourselves, what is Jesus like? This mysterious person who divided history, B.C., A.D., what what is Jesus really like? 100% God, 100% human. This person that regardless of your faith and your background and what's going on, regardless of what part of the world that you have grown up in, you cannot come to a full and complete and total education without some recognition of Jesus and the effect that he has had and that his followers have had, be it good or bad. But that this Jesus is a person who requires attention, Right? We're asking ourselves, what is Jesus really like? And before we look at in Luke uh, 3, we're going to start in Luke 3.21. I actually want to uh, go back to where we were just before we started this in Hebrews um, chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Some of us need endurance. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects or completes our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Our topic this morning is Jesus' faith. I know this is a little weird. We've got two words here that you hear in Christian circles that don't really seem to go together. One of these things is not... right. I think a part of that is because we may be drawn into a belief that Jesus was only God and not human. We may be drawn into a feeling, a sense, an awareness, thinking of Him like a ghost. You know, hopefully not a zombie, but you know, a ghost or supernatural or, or a comic book hero or someone you shoot Him and He doesn't bleed. That He's not human, that He didn't have human experiences. And yet the writer of Hebrews says... For the joy set before Him, 
Let's talk just a little bit about faith real quick. Hope is a desire. Faith is a demonstration. Let's do something a little bit different this morning. It's cold and some of you look a little somber. I want you to try to say something after me out loud. Here, take, take your pointer finger. You still have a pointer finger? I know this is a very timid culture we're in now. Pointer finger, point at yourself. Say, are you, are you ready, ready for an encouraging word? word. Alright, now point at somebody else. Are you, are you ready, ready for an encouraging word? How many of you would like an encouraging word? All right, I'm going to try to do that in 23 minutes. What is faith? Let's talk about just an aspect of faith. See the invisible. Believe the impossible. Overcome the obstacles. One of my godfathers, heroes in the faith that I patterned how we started this church after Wendell Smith had this and and up in his office wall. I want you to say this after me. See the invisible. invisible. Come on, don't be wimps. You can do it. Believe the impossible. impossible. Overcome the obstacles. obstacles. Come on, you need to get that in your system. See the invisible, believe the impossible, overcome the obstacles. This is an aspect of, a description of what faith really means. Because see, faith is action. It is the evidence. Hello? Right? Anyone? I know. Now, we got a lot of our visitors decided to stay home this morning. Maybe they're going to the parade. That's okay. We got the whole BD clan is down in North Carolina for a funeral. I know. So what we have in the room is a lot of people that know their Bible. Faith is the evidence. Hello? Right? See the invisible. Believe the impossible. Overcome the obstacles. For the joy set before him. Now Luke 3.21. What do we see? Jesus himself was baptized. That's kind of weird. We've talked about that before. We'll talk about that again. Verse, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He ate nothing all that time and became hungry. This is one of many examples that we have in Luke's account of Jesus getting some alone time. Jesus would separate himself from the crowd. But what's different about this one is that this is before he was a public figure. Okay? So Jesus is baptized. Then he goes and he gets alone to to fast and to pray. Talk more about that after Christmas. And verse 16, what happens in chapter 4, verse 16? He returns to his hometown and in the temple stands up and reads Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to who? To the poor. To pronounce freedom for those in bondage. Right? A new day for the brokenhearted. So what does he do? He goes back to his hometown and he reveals his identity. Now, I just want to put a pause in your holiday season and I want us to think about Jesus. What is Jesus like? Now, we've in recent weeks, we've talked about Jesus on the cross, 
resurrected Jesus, Jesus teaching, Jesus healing. And we've learned from that that Jesus is selfless. Jesus is a giver. We've learned that that Jesus is all about forgiveness and what that means. We've learned that Jesus is one who serves, right? Even in how he taught and and how he fed people and how he healed people in the the miracle stories. And what we're actually doing is kind of like a Benjamin Button. We're like working our way backwards. We're going back to the Christmas story, which is where we will be next Sunday. There's this transition period that I think we gloss over between Jesus' life is the first 30 years of his life. Joe, happy birthday. Joe's 30th birthday today. <laughs> happy birthday. Joe, it's, but you know, when, when you become a parent, it's all about the babies. So, unlike Joe, Jesus had actually a very normal life at, once you get after the miracles around his birth, From his childhood into adulthood, he had a very normal life. And he was a human who relished that life. He was tempted and yet without sin. But he had a normal human life for 30 years. And then a transition occurs. And he spends three and a half years in a public life that leads to his crucifixion, his murder, three days in the grave and his resurrection. And what I don't want us to do is to miss in the story of Jesus a lesson we can have from this transition. Jamie talks about moving to uh, to Ghana and to coming back. And i got to admit, Jamie, I hope that the U.S. can beat Ghana in the World Cup. I just just broke my heart to see them in the same group together. I do love the Black Stars. But that's the name. That's what they call the team. Those of you that are not aware, that's the actual title for the... There's a Black Star on the flag of Ghana. Okay, so anyway... Jesus has this transition from a normal life into this public life. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. He follows a new thing that God is initiating in the water baptism. He's 30 years old. He's obviously aware that it's time for there to be a change. His cousin is detailed earlier in in Luke in the story. John the Baptist is baptizing people who are repentance of sins into a new life. Something that has been, that is different. It's entirely different. It is an initiation of the new covenant. It is something we should be happy for. We don't need to kill animals anymore so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And in this initiation of a new covenant, Jesus goes... To be water baptized. And then he goes to be alone. Denying himself the pleasures of the company of his family. He'd worked in the business with Joseph as a carpenter. Denying himself the pleasure of his friends. Denying himself the pleasure of food. Denying himself the pleasure of comfortable sleep. He goes to be by himself to pray. And in that moment of transition, as it often is in our own lives, the enemy comes. It's a seasons of transition where the enemy comes to derail us, to get us off just a little bit. 
But this is where Jesus shows us great faith. You know, the, the deity of Christ, the incarnation, it, it's a mystery to us, right? I don't pretend to understand all of how this works. But there is enough that's revealed to us very clearly in Scripture about the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ for me to know that Jesus needed faith. Jesus needed to see the invisible. For the joy set before Him. Jesus needed to see the invisible. He couldn't see the cross. He couldn't see the punishment that was coming, the betrayal that was coming. He couldn't see exactly how the Father would work it all out. He didn't know. He needed to see the invisible. What was not seen in the natural world around Him. Walking the dusty streets of Nazareth. He didn't see the kingdom of God in those dirty streets. He could not see with his natural eyes. He was human, as human as you are. And I think out of a healthy reverence for God, we miss out on how human Jesus was. It required faith. To get baptized by John. It required faith. I'm getting dunked in the water and that does something? Hello? A little while back, we water baptized a number of us, right? It required faith to go alone, to be alone and to pray without food. It required faith. Jesus exhibited for us through a time of difficult transition, real faith. He prayed, he got alone, he denied himself for a season pleasures that were normal, that God created, that were good, so that he could better see with his spiritual eyes. Do you understand this? Jesus had natural eyes and he had spiritual eyes. And he himself needed to deny himself the pleasures of the flesh, so that he could see better with eyes of the Spirit, so that he could make the decision. Jesus needed to make a decision. He was not a robot, not a science fiction character, not a ghost that was an automaton walking around without a choice. Jesus had a decision to make, and he chose you. For the joy set before him, But Jesus had to exercise faith to see the invisible, to believe the impossible, to overcome the obstacles. Jesus had to exercise faith. Go with me to Proverbs 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 5. It's okay, John, I love you. It's all right. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, we're going to read through verse 10. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. 
Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. What does faith look like for real? I've got to come to a place where I choose. Hear me now. I choose. I will not rely upon. I will not focus on. I will not live by my thoughts, my feelings, my understanding of my circumstances. But instead, I say to God, I trust you with all I've got. That's, right. That's what faith looks like in the real world. Yeah. Today, with whatever it is that you're facing, there, in all reality, there isn't anything that you are facing that Jesus didn't face. That He didn't see coming. That He isn't already out. In fact, David describes it like this in Psalm 16. I saw the Lord. And he uses a messianic tone. I saw the Lord always in front of me. He is before you, showing us what faith really means. We cannot afford to live this life by our feelings. Your feelings will trick you. Hello? Anyone old enough to know what I'm talking about? Your thoughts will betray you. It was Jesus who said the human heart is evil. You've got, we live in a broken world and you're broken just like I'm broken. We all broke in together. And yet in our broken state, we must learn to live a discerning and a principled life where we make some decisions, where we stop and we say, I will not rely on what I see with my eyes of flesh. I will not depend upon my understanding of my circumstances. I will not focus on how I feel, but instead I will make a decision to trust the living and almighty God with all that I've got. It's a decision. The good feelings, if you notice here and in other parts of the body, they follow the decision. They don't come before the decision. What did Jesus do in the wilderness? By even going to the wilderness, He had to make this same decision. He was human. He's looking at a desert. You think he didn't see with his natural eyes what that was going to look like and what walking out there with no food meant? Jesus saw. And yet for the joy set before him, he made a decision to exercise his faith. To say, God, I trust you with all I've got. Hello? I trust you with all I've got. Let's go Philippians chapter 4. Take a right-hand turn. Go past Luke. Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. It's before Colossians. If you hit the end, you've gone too far. Philippians chapter 4. If you're there, say, yeah, yeah. All right. 
Everyone there? Okay, Philippians chapter 4. Oh, Paul's just working me over here. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. I wish he hadn't said that. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things which are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. This is good stuff. This is slow cook, slow burn. This is good stuff. This is stuff we put into practice. Because we see from this that the living God is aware of how we feel. Are you with me? The living God is aware of how we feel and He cares about how we process how we feel. Are you with me? He cares how we process it. So what are we to do? We're told to choose joy. Boy, that is some weird, backwards, for all of humanity. Hello? We are told to choose joy, to remember that Jesus is returning. That's how it's easier to choose joy. Have you reminded yourself lately that Jesus is coming back? It's a little bit easier to consider that whether you live out the natural days of your life or not, Jesus is returning. Choose joy. Remember Jesus returns. Don't worry. Our Bible, 365 occurrences of fear not or don't worry. Hello? Fear not or don't worry. Don't worry. About a thing. Come on, somebody. Don't worry. We are instructed not to worry. Pray about everything. Don't worry. Pray about This is a weird transition we go through. You know who needs to not worry is Nick Foles, quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. You know why? To get to the same QBR rating that Geno Smith has for the Jets, he's got to throw an interception on each of his next 50 passes. (laughs) He's not going to throw an interception on the next 50 passes. He needs to not worry about it. That destination is already set. Your destination, you've got a choice to make, right? When you choose Jesus, your destination is set. Don't worry. Don't worry. I mean, what's the difference really going to be if you die with a million, a hundred thousand, or one? You're still dying. Forget about it. Don't worry. Pray about everything. Now, this is not a brainless Christianity that we are called to. This is not some blind, backwards faith where we just pretend that we don't have a disease, where we just pretend that we don't have financial problems. We're called to action. 
Don't worry. Pray about everything. Thank God for all He's done. You know that I no longer ask God for something during the day or give us each day our daily bread without first stopping to thank God for what He has provided and how. Thank God for everything. Experience peace while focusing on the good. That's where the peace comes. Some of us need a little bit of help to focus on the good. Baltimore's not an easy place to live. I didn't get an amen there. Am I right? Right? Baltimore's not an easy place to live. Whether you're from here, whether you're from somewhere else, it's not an easy place to live. If you focus on the good, there is good to be found. Now that I should have got an amen on. If you focus on the good, there is good to be found. Right? There are beautiful things. I love, you know, being an outsider and taking people that grew up in Baltimore to beautiful places that are in Baltimore, not far from where they live and work, and like, whoa, I did not know that was there. There is good stuff in our city. And just like a relationship with a person, if you will spend time, if you will look, if you will seek, if you will list, if you will number, if you will count the blessings, if you will focus on the good more than you focus on the bad, you are changed. Right? It is the truth. Now, prayer is the arena where faith meets God's abilities. So we're told, don't worry. Thank Him. Pray about everything. He doesn't say hold back. He doesn't say hold back praying about the things that are terrible. He doesn't say don't pray about the things you don't like. No, pray about everything. Everything. Prayer is the arena where our faith meets God's abilities. Now here, I want to encourage you. Are you ready for an encouraging word? Are you ready? Are you ready? Some of you just need a little bit more sense of humor or... Come on. Are you ready for an encouraging word? Now listen, I believe that God has something better for your life than you think. I believe it. Yeah, for real. No, they don't pay me to say that. I believe that God has something better for your life than you think. Every big dream has a small beginning. We get too focused on next month, next year, the middle, the in-between, the intermediary. We're frustrated. We're frustrated with the now. And yet we don't take enough small steps to change the now. But here's what I hear the Spirit of God saying to us through the life of Jesus and through the scriptures that we've been looking at. And I'm going to close and Ben is going to lead us in prayer. God wants you to dream again. It's time to dream again. And if it's God who's in your life, God wants you to dream big. See, I know what it's like to come to a place where you realize that your God is too small. Hello? Some of us have limited God. We've put Him in a box. God doesn't like boxes. It's time for us to dream big. For you, for your personal life, for your family, for your work, for your city, for this church. It's time to dream big. Now, if you, you dream big, you get a vision big enough that God's got to do something or it won't go anywhere. 
So you've got to pray hard. You've got to dream big, pray hard, think long term. Think long term as you plan, as you strategize, as you dream and God begins to speak to you about your life, about your family, about those that aren't saved, about this city, about this church. As God begins to speak to you and he will if you give him the time and space, as God begins to speak to you and you begin to speak to him about what he begins to show you, you begin to pray, you begin to dig deep. You've got to think long term. You can't leave it only in the prayer closet. You've got to think. God wants you to imagine. He wants you to put pen to paper. He wants you to strategize. He wants you to think long term. And then ask him for one step. What is one step I can take in the direction of God's dream. One step. And take that one step. Now you can't do it alone. That's why here, our big three, helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. Our connect, grow, share. That Look around this room. There's someone here in this room that can help you with this. We need each other. We need relationships. Amen? Amen. Ben, lead us in prayer, please. Oh, I'll get it. Go ahead. I said every week that we uh, take some time to pray together because we believe it kind of changes things and God listens to us and acts in response. Um, so, for starters, I'd just like to give us a chance to respond to this. Mm-hmm. If anybody would like to receive prayer for more faith, um, please, we'll just have you raise your hand and anybody who's around you can have them pray for you. Uh, so, would anybody like to receive prayer right now? Just that God will increase your faith and give you more vision for what He wants to do through you. Right, if you look around, see uh, their hands raised, and yeah, if there's somebody near you, please gather around them and take a couple minutes to pray for them. Jeff, everybody stay. Oh, please stay. Yeah, so feel free to move around the room and look around. Keep your hand up if you do want prayer.
first.
As you wrap up, um, as you wrap up your prayer, if you gather, uh, we just had a couple announcements before we dismiss today. Okay.